So we've talked about the physical and the emotional. We want to talk about the volitional. Volitional is to do with choice. So it's behavior. And we want to talk about rational, our thinking. And of course, uh, all uh, <coughs> points to this area of the spiritual. But uh, we're going to focus on the uh, volitional and rational. Again, we're going to take you through quite uh, quickly. But what we're going to be looking at is patterns of problem behavior, not all behavior. Uh, we're looking at patterns, so things that are that are become habits, not just any behavior, but habitual, and it's caused us a problem. That kind of behavior we're going to look at. And then, once we've established what that is, we're going to look again at the unconscious goals behind that behavior. Again, those goals come out of needs. And I think that you'll see that as we go along. Does that make sense? Okay, Eddie's going to talk. Thanks, Hannes, you can go to the next slide. Thanks, Okay, so problem behavior is usually quite obvious, isn't it? Well, there's certain types of behaviors that are quite obvious, and those are what we could call sinful behaviors. So tonight we want to take you through this volitional circle, which is to do with our will. Uh, volition is a sense of will, and God has given us a will that we can make decisions, we can choose our own behavior, and sometimes we choose to engage in sinful behavior that's quite obvious. So these are things like <clears throat> adultery, alcohol or drug abuse, <clears throat> dishonest business practices, lying, neglect of your family, <coughs> laziness, <coughs> swearing, <clears throat> those kind of behaviors are pretty obvious and it's obvious that they are not really um, God's will for us. So um, what do you do um, if this becomes apparent, say in the church, that someone is engaging in this kind of behavior? What would need to happen for them to change their behavior, do you think? They have to become aware of it, don't they? They have to acknowledge it. So you might come alongside, one of the elders might come alongside one of the, the guys and say, you know, I've noticed that you, um, your language is a bit choice at times. And he'll say, oh yes, you know, I've got a real problem controlling my language, my tongue, um, and I really, really need um, to, to bring my behavior in line with God's will, please will you pray with me that I'll be able to get control of my language because I really don't want to use those words anymore. So what we do with that kind of behavior is acknowledge it and then repent of it. And then we ask God to help us to correct <coughs> So there are two kinds of goals that we are looking at. When we're on the road from salvation to heaven, which I trust we all are, on the road from starting at salvation and we're all headed towards heaven, we all need to engage in what is called the over-goal. That person is standing outside that pathway from salvation to heaven. Their behavior is out of line. They need to move over and get into line with God's will for their behavior. But that is not really all that's required, is it? Because you might just get outward conformity. What God is also looking for is the up goal. He wants us to grow in character. He wants us to grow in maturity. 
And so we want to have both these behavioral changes going on in our lives. Moving over and getting in line with God's will in an obvious way on behavior that's blatantly sinful and wrong, but then also character change, character growth, becoming more and more like Jesus as we go towards heaven. Um, next slide. Other problem behaviors. Now, this is a more subtle problem <coughs> because then it's not obvious that they are wrong. Um, but if they're a consistent pattern of behavior, they may cause problems. Can we just have a look at the next slide? Here's a few examples. People pleasing. So there's nothing inherently wrong with trying to please people, is there? I mean, that's part of loving people, isn't it? It's trying to make people happy. But can you see how if it's taken to an extreme, and you can never say no, you can never disappoint anybody, you can never stand up for yourself, you can never assert yourself in a situation because you never ever want to displease anybody. Can you see how that will become a problem behavior? Perfectionism. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that's the most satisfying problem behavior there is. <laughs> <laughs> it gets results, doesn't it? You normally, you talk about, the next one there is being driven. It's a, those two kind of go together, don't they? And people like to employ driven people. They like to employ perfectionists because they know they're going to do a good job. But it can become a problem, can't it? Again, perfectionism is pushing yourself. Um, I had a, a friend who she used to she couldn't submit her her um, projects on time at university. She was always going and asking for an extension. Why? She had to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and get it perfect and change it and alter this and prove that and yeah. It's just you know, it was just it was a real problem and she was constantly in a state of exhaustion as a result. Controlling behaviour, again workaholism, again there's nothing wrong with work, but it's the aholism part. Yeah. It's just overdone. Helicopter parenting. Do you know what helicopter parenting is? Yes, today's parenting. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and I mean, that can look, that can look good, can't it? <laughs> I love my children so much. But the behavior is a problem because it's, again, it's the degree of protection, overprotection that can take place. Rescuing. What's wrong with rescuing people who are really in trouble? You've got a heart of gold. You just want to help people. Why is that not a good thing? Exhaustion? Sorry? Exhaustion? Exhaustion, yes. And as the word rescue implies, it's like they don't have to do anything. They're just in the sea and the helicopter comes and, you know, straps them up and takes them up, you know. Whereas, so it can be unhealthy because it's doing things for people that they should be doing for themselves. Taking over responsibility for people's problems can be a problem. Overly ordered. This is the OCD sort of problem, you know, the ducks in a row and everything's got to be neat and tidy and orderly. <coughs> Etc. When taken to extreme, that's washing hands, washing hands, tying shoelaces, 
Tells got to be put on in the same order, books got to be there, everything's got to be done in a regimented, orderly fashion, or else I can't cope. I, I'm just so anxious. Okay, so those are more subtle um, problem behaviors. Um, but the main thing that comes out of this is that, that we want to teach you is that all behavior moves towards a goal, a subconscious goal often. We're not aware um, that there's always a goal behind this behavior. I mean, when you think about it, no behavior is really random. All behavior moves towards a goal, and it always has a purpose. So on a simple level, we tend to behave in ways that benefit us, don't we? We, we are, tend to be selfish, and so we look at what the benefit is to us. And we behave in certain ways because of the reward that that behavior will bring us. So if you think about what reward could there be in, say, being a A-type driven personality? Success. Success, yeah, success. Yeah, but that's really what's driving that success. And what would success bring? Public Security, accolades, accolades, public recognition, awards, status, career advancement. Okay, so there's always a goal between um, with every single behaviour. Can I just comment that? Mm. So remember these things are subconscious. It's not like somebody wakes up in the morning and says, today I'm going to engage in controlling behavior or I'm going to be driven because it's going to give me those things. It's subconscious. So, so for example, a, a class clown, of which we had one of them in our family. <laughs> and, um, you know, he would perform in the class. And you would get in trouble for it. You'd get sent to the headmaster and whacked and whatever. You, in those days, you did it. They did that. You did get whacked. But he, he carried on doing it. Why? Attention. Attention. And he didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to make up my mind to be a class clown. It's just that he would. And, he, and actually, he's very funny. And people would laugh. And that did something for him. Does that make sense? He had a need met. And so he does more of the same. And all of those behaviors, and we even talking about sinful behaviors, very often it's meeting a need, or it's an attempt to meet a need. Does that make sense? Some of the need gets met, which is why it becomes a pattern of problem behavior. It's not just any kind of random behaviors. It's a pattern. And you want to look at a, a behavior that is a problem. So sometimes, uh, you know, most of us could be OCD for a while, but when OCD is a pattern, it's a lifestyle. And again, you don't just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm going to make sure that everything's in order. It, does, it did something for you, made you feel good, and so it becomes a pattern of problem behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got to hand over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. So, will you, will you keep your eye on the time, Mother? Okay, so um, I don't know what kind of patterns of problem behavior you might have for yourself, um, but I, I'm sure you must be thinking. So I, again on Sunday, two Sundays, I talked about the fact that I've been battling with people-pleasing, 
And of course, what's, what's, what am I trying to get from being a people pleaser? Affirmation. Affirmation. Approval. Approval. And certainly avoid disapproval. Is that right? So, you know, people pleasing can look very good for a pastor. Well, you know, I'm trying to, you're trying to do your work as a pastor. But actually the motivation for it um, was skewed, like myself. And because of that, it caused problems. It caused problems in my life, because it got myself totally burnt out, and it caused problems in our marriage. So do you see what I'm saying by a pattern of problem behavior? You might be a rescuer, and you find yourself getting burnt out, and people taking advantage of you, and you know people using you, and that's a problem, you know, I can't do this. So it's a pattern of problem behavior, and then you find what well, actually, you know, counselors, generally speaking, are rescuers, and uh, you have to watch that all the time. What's behind being a rescuer, do you think? Not, not a lot, you know, different, different circumstances, but mostly what's happening? A need Why? to be needed. A need to be needed. Yeah, it feels good. You know, these people need me. Makes me feel good. Makes me give me a purpose, hey? I'm here for a reason. And again, it's not conscious. I don't wake up in the morning, oh, I want to be needed, I'm going to be a counselor. It's just you help someone, you feel good about it, and hmm, it develops into a, a pattern. So let's look at some of the other behaviors. Let's have a look at some of these. You might want to look at one of these, but um, uh, people pleasing is there. Um, uh, well, let's look at that alcoholic and other addictions. What might the possible goals be? Might be different in different circumstances, but what might the the uh, the, the goal or the need behind al being an alcoholic or other addiction be? Suppress so the rest of the list. Sorry. Suppress the rest of the list. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it suppresses the rest of the list. Yeah. <laughs> It's a need that's not being met, and alcohol uh, kind of dampens those feelings. Okay, so often it's escape. Yeah. Often addictions are an escape. It's a kind of, I, I, can't, I can't manage this horrible feeling that I have, so I anesthetize. Does that make sense? So that becomes a pattern. So it might be, uh, there might be other ways, other reasons for it as well. Uh, what about being overly compliant? What might the, the goal of that be? So again, it comes across very nice, so overly compliant, you know. Will you do this job? What what might the goal of that be? What might the need be of that? Acceptance. Acceptance. Acceptance? Maybe like people do, hey? Here's the thing. What's that? Fearful. Fearful? Yeah, a fearful fearful of what? Of not complying. I'm not complying because you get in trouble. Mm. So a compliant person very often marries uh, a controlling person right at the top there. Does that make sense? And why would someone be a controller? What's going on there? Power. And what does power give? Security. Control. And what does control give? What's underneath it? Security. Security. Sense of safeness. I'm in control. Then, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a myth. But that's unconsciously what we're trying to do. To, to get control. To get control. And so, a controlling person will find someone that they can control. 
And the overly compliant actually is a subtle way of controlling. It's trying to keep them happy. Does that make sense? And, and that's actually what often happens. Is a controlling person will marry a compliant person. It can happen either gender, way around. Um, but it becomes a codependent relationship. It can look very close, but um, not a healthy relationship, and it becomes a problem. Um, flirting, what might be the goal behind flirting, B? Attention. Attention. Mm-hmm. To be yeah. loved. To be loved, yeah. Getting attention. What about overly house proud? Pride. Maybe pride. Recognition. Recognition, yeah. You know, it could vary for different people. You know, maybe it's controlling. Maybe it's just everything's going to be, maybe OCD. Does that make sense? Everything's going to be in its place. Um, or, or it may be, you know, pride. Or whatever people will say about my house or whatever. Um, so, you know, the thing is, is that you need to ask yourself what's going on with me. And, but, and also, if you're trying to help someone, it's the question you need to ask them. You can't tell them what their need is beneath that behavior. You give them the tools, they all behavior moves towards a goal. What do you think that goal is? What do you think you're trying to get, what need are you trying to get there? What would be a goal of being easily offended? Well, you tell, what do you think? Anyone, what do you think? Attention, Attention maybe? But like, so, I mean, if someone's easily offended, almost like self-pity. Could be. Could be um, self-pity, might be, you know, and self-pity sometimes is, you know, feel sorry for me, again, attention. Or it might be a way of controlling. <coughs> you don't mm-hmm. treat me right, I'm going to be offended. I, you know, because I, I can't handle it if you don't treat me right. Does that make sense? Yeah. A way of controlling them. So it's different for different people. Um, uh, there was one. What about avoidance? What, 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 do we, what might the goal of avoidance be? Protection. Protection from? Getting hurt. Getting hurt, yeah. So maybe avoid relationships, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of commitment is a kind of avoidance, can be. Anxious people often avoid. Anxiety and avoidance go together. Why? What, what is it trying to achieve, you think? What's the unconscious goal? So you know you might say. Avoiding. Anyone? Avoiding the uncertainty. Yeah. It's like... Scared to fail, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe scared to fail. Might be a... So it's usually a fear. You know, so the thing about avoidance is it gives you immediate gratification. It works initially. Does that make sense? So if I have, if I've got social phobia, if I, I'm, I'm scared of people, basically. And again, it's not conscious. I just don't like going to those parties, you know. And I, and I don't want to go to the Bible study. I mean, really, they're, I mean, they're weird people. I, mean, I don't want to go there. Um, and so we have, we'll kind of rationalize it all, but we don't want to go into that. We'll avoid going to those places because we're anxious on it. And and. You know, and I'm thinking, should I go, should I go, should I go? And the more I think I should go, uh, it makes me feel anxious. And then I say, oh, no, I won't go. I immediately feel better. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But it empowers the fear. Mm. It makes it worse. So it becomes a pattern of problem behavior. 
Yeah, so any other that you want to... Uh, I'm still trying to understand this one, yeah. Shop bar. <laughs> yeah, so what about sulking? Controlling, maybe, yeah. Manipulation. Yeah, can be. Can be. So, all of these things are, first of all, they're great. We have, the, we have power, eh? Yeah, so um, what about pornography? What might the goal of pornography be? So we know it's a problem behavior, but what, what's the need do you think that might be unconsciously seeking to meet? Power. Power, maybe. Particularly if you battle with real life relationships. Yeah, what else? Yeah, it could be uh, a need for or a desire for intimacy that you're trying to. Yeah, I think we very often is a. See, it's a legitimate need. It's not the need that's the problem. It's how we endeavouring to try and get that need met. So there's nothing wrong. God made us social beings, and He made us to have intimacy, but we end up trying to look for these things in the wrong places, and they become a pattern of problem behaviour. So yeah, pornography um, and and um, sexual immorality can be the same thing. You know, so we know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. It needs that. What Amy said earlier to get our, our behaviour in line, the overgoal. We need to stop it, repent, acknowledge the wrong, and uh, ask God's forgiveness. But then we need to do the work on the inside, and that work on the inside is saying, why do I do this stuff? What's the goal that this behavior is trying to meet? So the illustration I gave of the woman at the woman at the well. Remember that Jesus said, you, you know, she said, I don't have a husband. He, he said, yeah, you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. Remember that? What was she looking for? What do you think her need was? Love. Love. The wrong to be need to be loved? She's looking in the wrong place. Does that make sense? So it develops a pattern of problem behavior. And so and we're, what we're saying is that you're never ever going to change the behavior unless you change, you get the need met appropriately. Then you can change the goal. And then, and I'm just, I'm not going to spend time on this, just quickly, um, there are what we call seeking behaviors. Thanks, Johannes, next one. Uh, well, just again. Um, uh, these are just some suggestions. Uh, to the next slide. Uh, we have seeking behaviors. Sometimes we call them strategies. These are behaviors that seek to get our needs met. So being, I'll just give you an example of a, a woman who's living an immoral, uh, a man who's living an immoral life. And uh, he's seeking something. Um, and I think a lot of those examples we've given are examples of seeking behavior. But it can also be defensive behavior. So, um, yeah, here's some, here some seeking behaviors that really uh, can be good things. So, so um, having the right connections, being connected to the right person. But charity can be done because I want to know that I'm doing charity work. And we can get involved in church because we want to know that I'm doing all these things. Does that make sense? And the, 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 there's nothing wrong with the, 
the, the work itself is why we're doing it. It's like my people pleasing. Uh, and as a pastor, there's nothing wrong with what I was doing as a pastor, but the motivation for it was wrong, and therefore it caused problems. Uh, marriage, what about marriage? Marriage is God's institution. So what's the problem with marriage? What might be the problem? From uh, for security. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Larry Crabb, who, who <coughs> wrote a book called Inside Out, I don't know if you've read that book. Anyone read the book Inside Out? <coughs> He's saying we change from the inside out. And um, he says that um, some relationships are parasitic. They're not giving relationships. They, they look close. They, they, they look like they love each other, but they're actually taking. And he says it's like a tick on a dog. It's just there to, to get. And he says sometimes you have two ticks and no dog. <laughs> and that's coded in a relationship. And it happens. People go into it to get, not consciously, but they're looking to go into marriage, into a relationship. This person's going to love me like I need to be loved. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Does that make sense? So marriage is a good thing, but sometimes it's used wrongly. And relationships in general. Parenting does the same thing. Sometimes we, we, we want our parents to be examples. Look at lovely little darlings these are. And uh, you know, it's a reflection of us. Or we want them to do well at school. I know how much pressure is put on students sometimes because of the parents' need. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. So it's not for the sake of the, the child, it's for the sake of the parent. And we need to examine ourselves and say, why do we do work? It's the same. Why am I doing what I am? And wealth, there's nothing wrong with wealth or possessions in themselves. But when we depend on those things to meet a need, they become a problem. They become idols. Because I'm depending on those things rather than on God. My status, position, again, nothing wrong with it in itself. But if I'm looking for that sort of thing. So a driven person might well be doing it because he wants the status, because he wants recognition, wants acceptance. There's nothing wrong with being affirmed and being valuable and having significance. It's where we look for those things to get satisfied. Does that make sense? So those are all seeking kind of behaviors. And then the next slide, thanks to others, are defensive strategies. Sometimes we have this fear of being hurt, and so we will engage in defensive um, behavior that will protect ourselves from being hurt of not getting these needs met. So next slide. I think we have some examples. Yeah, so self-hatred, um, very often turning inwards, you know, if I have myself, um, then you know, I'll kind of do myself down before anyone else does. Yeah. Snobbishness can be, uh, I'm scared of people. Shyness can be a chosen behavior, by the way. <coughs> it makes sense. Some people say, well, I'm just shy. It's my personality. And yes, to some degree, it probably is. But often, there's an unconscious strategy that's chosen. I'm, I'm afraid to get close to people. So I'll just keep myself apart. And of course, it stops us doing what God wants us to do. Because we can't get near to people. Intellectualism, academics, you know, again, uh, it can be a, a defense, coldness, being a loner. I remember, I remember people saying to me, well, I'm a loner, it's just who I am. Well, I think it's a chosen strategy, actually. They might have a, a melancholic type 
a personality which means they're predisposed to that kind of strategy, but, but often they've chosen a strategy because they've chosen a way of defending themselves. And I've talked about avoidance, overeating. I remember a friend of mine, actually, she, she um, well, I said her, um, not that you would know her, but she was large, attractive lady, but she was large and, and divorced, and I'm convinced it was the defense. No man is going to look if I'm this large. Does that make sense? Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So, how are we doing, Joan? Time's up. Time's up. So, our loss of felt altruism, I'm just going to, I'm not going to take time to do this, that sometimes our behavior feels compulsive, like shyness. People say, well, that's who I am. But actually, there is a unconscious goal at work, and when we recognize the unconscious goal, we realize that we are making a choice. Thanks, um, and so I won't go on to instead when we recognize the goal, we are, there we are. Okay, we recognize the goal behind our composite, and it helps us to see we do have a choice, and therefore we can change. So to change my behavior, I need to change the unconscious goal behind my behavior, and that's the beginning of change, folks. By the way, there's a need behind the goal, and before we start changing our behavior and changing our goal, we need to go to the Lord, and that's what I was speaking about two Sundays ago, go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for trying to get my needs met apart from you. Mm-hmm. And now, help me to have that need met by you. Help me put my trust in you and drink from you, so I know I'm valuable because you say so, whether I have no money, no car, no house, uh, no relationship, I know I'm valuable because you say so. And, and Lord, I know that I'm secure in you, even though I have no money, no house, whatever. Does that make sense? I get all those needs met. And of course, that's an ongoing process. When I have those needs met, then there's no need for me to devise these strategies. I'm then free to be able to change those unconscious goals. But now they're conscious. I've realized what the unconscious goal was. And so now I'm going to consciously going to choose to a different goal. So let's take my people pleasing. What have you said? I was there to get people's affirmation. I was there to avoid getting their disapproval. Is that right? That was idolatry. And I had to come to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for going to try and get from other people what I should be getting from you. And come to him and say, Lord, show me what you think of me. Show me how much you love me. Show me how I can be secure and valuable in your eyes. And that's a process, and I'm still doing that, I'm still doing that, still doing that, working at that. But now, what do I do about my people pleasing? So I take that old goal, which was all about keeping everybody happy, and I change it in line with the first two commandments, which is love God, love others. Isn't that so? That's God's general guide, isn't it? That as a Christian, we should be loving Him, loving others. Well, as a people pleaser, Lord, how can I love you, and how can I love others? Well, instead of trying to please people, Lord, I'm going to try and please you. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it's an overall goal, and it changes things. So now I'm saying, okay, well, what does it mean to please you? I'm a counselor, uh, and as a people pleaser, man, I could struggle to say no, struggle to draw boundaries, struggle to say, you know, I can't see you. I mean, you know, particularly with this pressure, you're a Christian counselor. You know, how come you can't see me? I'm in a crisis now. 
And that's the kind of pressure. There's always more need than you can, you can help. And so, so now I'm saying, okay, Lord, but I want to please you. So what do you, or what are you calling me to do? And I have to work that out. Specifically, that means I can take on so many people. That's what I'm going to do. And when people get upset with me, and they do, and when people shout at me and say, why don't you see me? I have to come back and say, well, Lord, what do you tell me? I'm trying to please you. I'm not trying to please every time they can have it. Does that make sense? And so I changed my goal in line with loving God and loving others. Of course, I want to love people. And I want to do the very best I can for the people that I'm seeing, that God has called me to help. And even that, I must do in a way that is pleasing to God, not necessarily pleasing to them. Does that make sense? So what we're saying is take that unconscious goal of your behavior and um, ditch that old goal and get your needs met in the Lord and then set a new goal which is in line with loving God and loving others. You want to add anything about it? I know we're giving you huge areas to, to take in, but any comments or questions? I just want to give you this one example that we heard from um, Silver Hughes when we went to the UK. Um, he was expecting uh, quite a um, well-known Christian <coughs> leader to come and visit him uh, one day. And he was sort of straightening his office. And he'd be featured on the front of Christianity Today magazine. And so he took this magazine and he sort of strategically placed it on top of a pile on the desk. And as he did that, <coughs> we just felt the Holy Spirit saying, what are you doing? <laughs> And, you know, just, he had to fall on his knees and just say, Lord, forgive me. I'm trying, I'm seeking the approval of people. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a constant process. I think it's just our hearts are deceitful. And we are constantly seeking to have those needs met. And we, we really need to learn to, to reject the way of the world and the values of the world. Uh, and the way that the world gets served and it's made, and to really look to, to the Lord in a new way and say, Lord, I want to get my needs with you. And I want to truly um, love you and serve you and love others uh, without all these distortions and strategies and things mm -hmm. that, are, that are messing in all that. Which is why mm -hmm. I genuinely thank God for problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's problems that bring, gets our attention. Mm. It's when our marriage came to a kind of crisis, and I came to a crisis, just before we went on sabbatical. Now, if that hadn't happened, I would have been sailing on, you know, trying to keep everybody happy. Does that make sense? It was the problems that brought me up short, and, and it was then, God's timing, that I began to learn some of these things and began to understand how I got myself into the position that I had. Thank God for problems. Mm -hmm. It's His way of getting our attention. And when you have a problem, and maybe it's some sort of a negative emotion, maybe it's being depressed, maybe it's being anxious, maybe it's, it's uh, uh, feeling angry about something, well, we're going to talk about that. Um, it's saying, well, what's, what's beneath those things? What, what does it tell me about me that's going on in my heart? So, to, to change, I know we're going to have some tea, we're going to break down. 
Um, so when you are working on it and yourself and you're helping other people, there's two things. All behavior moves towards a goal. When you have a pattern of problem behavior, ask yourself, what is it that is behind this behavior? Why do I want to do this thing all the time? What's the need that I'm trying to meet? And not getting met in the Lord. And then get the need, repent of it, get the need met in the Lord, and then change the goal. So I'm now, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my need met in the Lord, now I can change the goal to please God and please others. The other thing, we talked about blocked goals, uncertain goals, unreachable goals, and missed goals, those negative emotions. When you experience those negative emotions, you need to ask yourself, what's the unconscious goal behind it? All of them point to a need. Get the need met in the Lord, and it'll help how you feel. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we're giving you a heck of a lot of tools, but I hope it's, it makes some sense. Uh, and I'll answer a question. The, 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 we are going to be trying to um, hone down. So next Tuesday, we're talking about anxiety. And the, uh, the week after that, we're talking about depression. And I think after that, we're talking about anger. So we're going to then hone in on these those specific emotions and apply these principles to those issues. So hopefully it'll make more sense. We wanted you to understand and the holistic idea. Alice has a question on the end guy. So what you just say now, are you trying to get to the point that you're like, show us how we can meet that need in the Lord if you're not going to be meeting it in all these other things? Or is that kind of quite obvious? Just I want you to give us some sort of framework <coughs> for how to get the need met in the Lord. Yeah, I just want to come from some people. Yeah, so I mean, it's a key issue. And really, if that sermon recorded, is it, Sean? That first one, yeah. Yeah, the first sermon, I was going to look at it. Because really, what that sermon, and why, we, why I talked about that initially, is that's the core. That's the whole spiritual area. That's the, the thing where we are thirsty people. All of us are thirsty people because uh, we have a God-shaped vacuum in our heart. We have this hollow, we have this gap where we try to have our needs met our own way instead of going to the source. And you say, how do you get it source? Well, you recognize it through your problems, through these things we're talking about. And then when you recognize and say, well, actually, that behavior, that people-pleasing behavior is trying to get look for affirmation. Oh, Lord, I need to get it from you. I need to get my affirmation from you. Show me what you think of me. And read scriptures that, that will tell me, what the Lord thinks of me. Even if nobody else does, it doesn't matter what the Lord thinks of me. And drink. We talk about being thirsty, but drink. I need to drink in the immense value that God gives to me. Isn't that amazing? And nobody can take that away. Nobody can take that away. Because God's given it to me. And I can have a security in the Lord. I can be safe because... I'm in the love of the Lord Jesus. And I need to drink in his love. Drink in his love. Oh, this is an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. Thanks, sir. Yes. Can I just ask, from what you guys have seen, is there a, a, a tendency or a pattern or a likelihood that, so you, you put in the hard works and you change your need and your goal and whatever, is there a, a, a likelihood to kind of default back to that? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's also just helpful as like it's not a one and done. And no. it can be God is good, full healing and all of that stuff, but also just to be aware that it can come Absolutely. back. Absolutely. 
So my pupil pleasing developed over, I don't know, 40 years. And I still, it's my kind of default, you know, bang, and what am I doing? But it's the problems that actually bring them to my attention. And I'm like, mm, I'm doing it again. Sorry, Lord. Go back to him, drink some more. Yeah. On that, do you often find that sometimes it's environmental factors that cause a person to have that initial root? And that they need going to that to fix it. So people pleasing, maybe your dad was never pleased with what you did. That would that be something that you would recommend people to search in their hearts? Yeah, I think that um, I think that can be very helpful looking at your family of origin, um, because often it exposes a need, a deep need, um, and so my I, my dad died when I was very young. He never father. Um, except now I've got a heavenly father and uh, I think that the whole thing of respect is an issue for me not huge not like, you know my mum did an amazing job you might not think so but <laughs> she, she, she was amazing how she gave herself to us but, uh, but nevertheless there was a gap there and yes to go back to your family of origin and try and see maybe what was missing because very often we, those are things that we will try and fill ourselves. Yeah. Good, folks, let's break. Can we break for five minutes and we can talk about the rational circle? Thinking. <coughs> Thank you.